1: Today on Irishman Running Abroad, we look at those unwritten rules of running, the stuff you won't find in a handbook, blog or YouTube video. Tom Corcoran, a friend of the show and long-time listener, suggested this topic. So I want to start by giving him a big shout out. He'll be getting an Irishman Abroad pin in the post. And if you want to suggest a topic for an episode, it's very easy, Podcast at gmail.com. But before we get to all of that, I want to give a Little shout out, little plug in to a gig that I'll be doing on the September 24th at the Underbelly Festival in London. Why not come on down? It's a fully seated stand up show with a bunch of other comics. Return of the crack. The crack is returning. Venues are full. Underbelly Festival, September 24th. Kind of my first big stand up show back. So why don't we get a load of Irishmen abroad runners at this this event? Because, Sonia, you might you might even be there.
0: I might. Um, I'm not sure exactly my plans at the moment, but I'm thinking I might hang out in um, London until the London Marathon, okay. which is on October the 3rd this year, I believe. And it's possible Sinead Diver, or Diver, as we say in Ireland, is um, going to come back for that. Brilliant! So that would be exciting. And uh, And actually next year for 2022, the London Marathon is also going to be in October. So maybe that can be a target for you, oh Jared, next
1: year. Oh, you know, my like God, home, yeah.
0: Home, that'd home be, marathon.
1: That'd be crazy. So right now you're, you're in Paris. Fill us in on uh, what the setup is there. You sent me a photo of this kind of uh, science lab that you're living in. Oh, <laughs> what, what's going on?
0: I'm actually in Belgium. Oh, OK. <laughs> I've moved.
1: Oh, right. I can't even keep so, up now. So uh, you were in Paris for the Diamond League at the weekend.
0: I was. I um. I took the Eurostar to Paris, which was lovely. I don't think I've ever done that before. I've been on the train, definitely in the car, going to Belgium before. Mm. Um, but the Eurostar was great. It's so just nice to travel I, on the train.
1: I love it. I absolutely love yeah. the Eurostar. I mean, especially uh, yeah. the underwater uh, kind of display that they give you. Did they do that for that? You can you can get to see what you would be seeing above you in the sea. <laughs>
0: uh, no, I didn't see that at all. I, I didn't even think that we were going under the water.
1: That's, that's... <laughs> but of course we were. <laughs> yeah, you were deep beneath the sea. Uh, the speed of it is nuts as well. And the fact that you just pull up in Paris. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it the first time I was on it. Were you travelling with athletes or meeting them there?
0: I was meeting them there. Yeah, I was, um, I, I flew in from, I'm going Diamond League to Diamond League now. This is like the old days, you know, mm-hmm. except it's about 30 years later. Yes, yeah, so I flew in from Eugene. I came to London and had a few days in Teddington, which was lovely to get out and run around Bushy Park. Uh, it's funny when you run around, I don't know if you ever noticed this or, If other people out there might notice this, when you run in a place where you've run fast before, it's like as if your brain and your muscle memory just kicks in and you start flying around. It's a weird thing. You actually have always have a really good run, especially the first run back when you haven't been there for a while.
1: Yeah, I must I so. must get out to Bushy Park at some point to see this kind of famed park where all these Kenyans and yourself used to run around. Last episode, you recommended the Nike Invincibles. And I, I think it's safe to say that you sold a few pairs. We had messages on this Strava group of people saying I bought them. I got them over the weekend on Sonia's recommendation. <laughs> uh, and I myself got a pair from Tina for my birthday. I don't know how she was so on the ball, but w- we went in and uh, found these things and uh i don't know they are they are an incredible pair of shoes one person said i think that these yokes wear out very quickly but that hasn't been my experience after the first run they looked immaculate and you're right they're they're so bouncy did you have your invincibles waiting for you in london
0: i didn't actually know i wasn't i wasn't as lucky as you there was no birth no surprise <laughs> arrival presence for me so, yeah, so I actually was, I did surprise myself, though, because it was a pair of shoes had turned up some, somewhere in the last year while I was away. um Some Nike Zoom flies, which I have worn them before. And they, I think they have a plate in them as well, one mm. of these carbon plates. So they're definitely one of the faster type shoes. So actually train with Trevor turned up the first day I arrived. Oh, he was, Trev. Uh, he was uh, just back from... He'd run a race in London on the weekend, the half marathon, the Vitality half marathon. And he trekked down from North London all the way down to Teddington and met me for my first run off the plane, which was brilliant because it's never fun, that first run off off a long haul plane. Mm -hmm. And um, we just headed out on a run to Bushy Park and then into Hampton Court Park, which is, is kind of one of my runs that I always do when there's no kind of purpose to the run. You know, it's just like a touring run. And it was great out there. It was a lovely day. And I was wearing my new Zoom fly, so I was flying along. And um, there was always of deer out there. But we were lucky in Hampton Court Park. It's all the small deer and there's tiny little baby deers out there all bouncing around the place. So it was really good fun. And we actually somehow managed to run 75 minutes, which I was amazed by, because the time went by so quickly. Um, combination of, I suppose, being back in one of the nicer places to run and then also having a bit of company so we had a good chat along the way
1: Absolutely and big shout out to Trev who if you've been following Train with Trev on Instagram you'll see that he has been putting in mammoth miles up in the high, up in the mountains as well he's really been giving it socks in preparation for is it Berlin that he's preparing for at the moment make sure to follow Train with Trev who's given some amazing advice here on strength and conditioning it was a huge weekend for athletics in Northern Ireland firstly dairyman Jason Smith Smith, big shout out to Jason, won his sixth Paralympic gold medal in the T13 100 metre final in Tokyo in a time of 10 seconds, 10.53 seconds, nuts stuff. Even more crazy in Larn, when the 22 year old Ethiopian, here it goes, Yale... (laughs) Mirzif <laughs> Yahola. 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 <laughs> well, at least we agree really on our
0: surname. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Smashed the women's half marathon world record by 19 seconds, clocking a time of 63 minutes. 43 seconds. What a ridiculous achievement, Sonia. I mean, is your, what's your thought when you hear that? I mean, do you, like this, this, this woman obviously has a huge future ahead of her. I mean, that at the very least is what we can say about this.
0: Yeah, well, she she won a bronze medal last year at the World Half Marathon Championships in Poland. And she actually fell in that race because there was a lot of runners who were running in these new, Adidas shoes. I'm not sure what shoes she wears now. She might have the Nike ones on. But for some reason, with all the twists and turns, they were all falling over. So she fell um, just before the finish line. But this weekend, I watched a clip of the race this morning from Larne, And it was unbelievable. I mean, that's three minutes and one second per kilometre for for 21.1 kilometres. I think something like four minutes and 51 seconds for a mile. So, you know, for many people to even do one of those Mm. is like, you know, out of this world. Um, So it is outrageous running. I think she had a a very good pacemaker. She's with the, I think she definitely will be a Nike athlete. She's with the NN running team in the Netherlands. And they're well known for setting world records all over the place. She's from Ethiopia. And um, she had a good pacemaker from the team, a male pacemaker. Mm. And then uh, towards the end of the race, there was actually a man, you know, there's some fine quality men who run 63 minutes for a half marathon. And she was in the top 10 of wow. the whole race with wow. some really quality runners. I think, you know, Stephen Scullion, who ran for Ireland in the Olympics, was just behind her. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But, you know, he was, he was just making his return from, you know, recovering from the Olympic marathon. And I think he's training for the Boston marathon in about six weeks' time. But, you know, to be in there amongst quality men is... You know, it's hard to get your head around it, really, that a woman can run so fast.
1: Absolutely, she
0: might have an engine or something in those shoes. (laughs) (laughs) She might have a double layer of carbon plate or something. But that was absolutely flying.
1: Yeah, I mean, really extraordinary. People should try and dig out the footage if they can, just just to see. And also just looking at the breakdown of the pace, as you say, I want to give a big shout out to our own running club members. The Irishman Running Abroad Club on Strava had a few athletes taking part in Larne. Seamus McAteer, of course, Winona Grant, who smashed her PB in the event. Big respect, Winona, this uh, maybe Larne is going to become one of these places like Doha where people go to break uh, records. Uh, you bring up the shoes and you bring up the plates in, in the shoes. Uh, for the first time, I got to catch this documentary, Nike's Big Bet, which you know talks about the Salazar I guess it's a scandal and and the shoes. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell is in this documentary. Really, that'd be my recommendation this week. Get your hands on this. It's on Sky Documentaries now. And I'd imagine you can get it on demand then once it's available. You haven't seen it yet, have you, Sonia? Uh,
0: no, I haven't. It was actually just out, I think, when I first went to America in April. And because a lot of it, you know, the history of the team that I'm working with, you mm. know, would have kind of been in- Kind of, I suppose, overlapped into that era. I was curious to see, you know, what you'd like, you like to know, you know, what's going on in the background of a a world that you're entering, mm. and um, it was quite difficult to get it at the time because it was released initially in Canada. Mm. So um, I was doing everything to try and watch it all, kind of VPNs and all sorts, but nothing was working. So I'll have a look now and see if I can get it on demand from Absolutely. Belgium. Well, see, I, I really
1: recommend it. Uh, particularly Gladwell's comments. If people don't know Malcolm Gladwell. He's a great uh, author and uh, podcaster himself. Revisionist History is his podcast and uh, it covers all sorts of uh, parts of history that you know we might need to rethink, including the underhand free throw, which is my favourite episode where he talks about the, you know, the granny shot, as they call it, uh, the swinging of the arms upwards. You know the you know, the shot I'm talking about, that it is, you know, proven to be the best way to shoot foul shots in basketball. But nobody will do it because it looks so crappy. And, uh, you know, Gladwell's take on these carbon plate shoes is something that you know, I hadn't heard anybody talk about. I think we mentioned it before, technological doping, that kind of word being used. I don't know if that's really a fitting term when pretty much everybody has access to these things, that it's not an unfair advantage if you can walk into the shop and spend 250 quid and get the shoes. But he does point out exactly how big of a revolution they are, Sonia, you know, he said the idea that an average runner is knocking 2.5 minutes off their personal best simply by lacing up these shoes. Is that an oversimplification or are these shoes that powerful?
0: Oh, they they definitely make a big difference. And you just have to look at any like local fun run. You know, Larn was fairly deep now with some good runners, but You know, there hasn't been too many runs on, but any that have been on. And there was there was one there in Y at one point and they showed the finish line. And I think there was, you know, less than 100 people running. But practically everyone that crossed the finish line had on a pair of Nike Next Percent or, you know, some variation of them. And, And lots of the different shoe companies have them now, like Asics have some pretty good ones and adidas have ones that are you know the stack height is you know you feel like you're on platforms mm. you have to be careful not to fall over in them and <laughs> because people do like the world half marathon last year they were all falling over um, because they're not so good on twists and turns they're better if you're running in a straight line so they're not ideal on the track yeah but if you're running, you know long like something like the berlin marathon would be perfect now those long straight roads that you go on And they really give a lot back. You know, they they just give you so much energy return that, you know, when you start to get tired in the end of the race, it helps you to kind of get that extra boost and energy to, you know, give you another lift just as you're physically getting tired.
1: Well, what's mad is, and before we leave this, is that everyone knows my connection to the game of basketball, but there was a carbon plated... Uh, shoe with a kind of a, I guess, the predator football boot kind of bouncy sole that was banned by the NBA for giving people an uh, unfair advantage in terms of the height they could jump. This is only a few years ago. I wonder, has that changed? But I was contacted by an insoles maker, Sonia, Victory Insoles, who Porig Harrington, I think, has a connection to them contacted me, wanted myself and yourself to give these insoles a try. Uh, we'll have to look into this later, but I'd be interested to know if any listeners have given these things a go because people are really swearing by them. And certainly, poor Harrington is someone I know who isn't a shill. <laughs> he is saying that they help his golf game, which is really interesting. Victory, V-K-T-R-Y, is the company. So we might just get a Couple of pairs of them, oh, yeah. and give them a that would be
0: great to try them out. I think you know, I have heard of some insoles, and the, so then they can make any shoe mm. have a little bit of extra advantage. But then if you put them into an already plated shoe, then you get a double advantage. Now
1: what? Um, <laughs> yeah, now what's, what's here we go. Up and yeah. uh, so <laughs> let's get to this because it doesn't really matter uh, what sport you're in or what you're giving a try. Recently decided to give a go to something, there are rules and guidelines that you don't know about for a good amount of time until you're taking part in that particular activity for a while. Well, running's no different. And in many ways, the worst for it, because a lot of these kind of unwritten rules are essentials uh, to your full enjoyment of running. And yet they are not contained in any kind of text or handbook. There is no handbook and everybody thinks they can run, not observing. Some of them can massively impact your long term involvement in running or worse, force people to roll their eyes at you. <laughs> Sonia, when you when I first brought this to you, what was the first unwritten rule that uh, sprang to mind?
0: What was the first thing I s- I had a a big list of them here. And um, then I realised that I suppose you were looking for different things, really.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we had our time out uh, in Irish town myself, you and Rob Heffernan. And this was the first time I'd heard of the I guess we should start with etiquette because the track etiquette is something that, you, you know, newcomers like myself will just launch themselves down at a track not knowing what they should and shouldn't do in terms of lane observation.
0: Yeah, well, that I suppose that's the the number one rule in in athletics and in running is if you turn up at an athletics track that you you run the right direction, which would be anti clockwise. Mm. That would be very important. Um, even though I have come across some athletes <sighs> and it's a thing at the moment, they run clockwise to counterbalance. The amount of times that they run anti-clockwise in races and, you know, I would have loads of aches and pains on my left side. And I believe it's from running around the track the same direction all
1: the time. Yeah, I think we talked about this early in the series. So now you're seeing people
0: do it. Oh, yeah. So when I turned up in at the Nike track, yeah, all the groups out there every now and then they switch directions and (laughs) you kind of nearly think there should be an alarm goes off like a (laughs) A fire siren (laughs) siren or something to alert everybody that okay we're changing direction now because it's so dangerous like if you're running around Mm. there at high speed you know anywhere close to 60 seconds and unknowingly someone is running the correct way around the track
1: yeah so there has to
0: be a bit of an uh, you have to warn people, you know, we're going this way now. If people know, it's fine, because then they can easily move out and around. And, you know, generally the slower people, if the, the people who are going at a slower pace will move out and allow the faster runners to have that inside line where you don't want to be moving out. And you're going so fast, you can't even think about moving out. Yeah. <laughs> but you definitely have to go around with a, a bit of awareness when that's happening. Um, I don't know if you ever did something like this. If you, have you ever swam in the sea? Like if you're swimming in a swimming pool, there's general, there's rules there as well about which way you go up and, you know, whether you lap in the lane or whether you go up and down at the same side. But when you swim in the sea, there's no rules. And often people swim between cones. And I've done this in um, Torquay in Australia. Yeah. And it's a common place to swim about 300 metres apart and people go back and forth. And it's unbelievable the amount of times that you actually crash into people really? in the sea. Yeah, because everybody's kind of taking the same line, but there's no <laughs> defined lines out there <laughs> and everyone's got their head down and they're ploughing away, assuming there's nobody anywhere near. And yeah. next thing I mean, you're come in crashing the sea. Into-
1: Exactly. You, yeah. you would think you've got it. You've got acres of space. But that yeah, yeah. I think I saw it out at Seapoint. I was out there for my birthday swim. And uh, yeah, I saw people lashing it out of it with the the uh, with the little inflatable trailing yoki behind them. Do you know? Oh, the, the
0: little the, the orange thing, yeah, yeah, the little boy. Yeah, they're they're like a safety and for safety if you get stuck, but also safety. If there's boats and Mm. um, jet skis and things moving around, that they actually see you out there. Mikey saw a fella um, with
1: one and uh, said, this fellow is either brilliant at swimming or terrible at it. It does does raise eyebrows initially, but there's no, uh, as you say, this is rare enough for people to go the other direction. And that understanding when you get to a track that to stay the hell away from lane one, if unless you're doing yeah. speed work.
0: Well, I suppose the difference, that I suppose I, the story I was telling there about the Nike track is that you can't actually see the other side of the track. Of course. So you wouldn't know that someone's going the opposite way around. Whereas normally, you know, a track is, there's nothing in the middle. Yeah. just the grass field and you can actually run across. But um it's a bit extreme when you're at the Nike, the Michael Johnson track out there and you can't actually see the other side, which is kind of hard for coaching as well because you can't see the, 200 meter mark when people to make sure they're going at the right pace. So you have to come up with creative ways of, uh, you know, tracking the pace that athletes are running at, but the actual, the real one, the real rule of the track. And I mean, it's written down in a number of places. Um, If you were to look it up Mm -hmm. is that, you know, lane lane one going in the right direction is for the faster runners. You know, that you generally, if you're jogging or walking, um, you move out to the outside lanes because, you know, it's not essential that, you know, you know the exact splits that you're doing. And it's something like seven metres per lane. So every lane you move out, you're running 407 metres, 414. Yeah, And there there is a calculation chart in there. So you could be running in lane eight and you could work out how many laps to the mile or the kilometre, um, you know, to get a, a rough estimate of what you're doing. Because when you run around the track, the Garmin, Um, or the GPS, whatever one you're using, it's not very accurate. It doesn't react very well to the satellites because you're running in circles. It gets a bit dizzy and, you know, it it just loses track of what's going on. And so if you were to wear your GPS watch and measure your one kilometre, it's more than likely going to come up a bit short. Okay. even though we all know that a kilometer on the track is two and a half laps,
1: yeah. So you I'd really wondered throw why away the you, GPS when you do that. Yeah, because I'd have wondered why you were there with the stopwatch at these tracks when it's obvious that it they have their they all have their tracker watches, but it's just not accurate. No, it's
0: it's rarely accurate. Um, on the there is some watch Coros. I think they supposedly have a track you can a track, a track setting. setting, yeah, yeah, and that is a bit better but I've I've never used one of those watches Um, so maybe we can get a hold of one of them and test it out because I know they do give them out to a few Fast runners, but um, you know, for getting you onto the track, maybe you can test it
1: out. Yeah, maybe, maybe let's uh, let's look into it anyway. So uh, this uh, this uh, recommendation for this episode, obviously, as I said, comes from Tom Corcoran, and he sent along a link uh, to a few unwritten rules that had emerged from the Reddit running group, which I didn't even know existed. And one was when and how to pass someone. Now, this, if we were to close the first half of our, uh, our discussion here on iTunes and SoundCloud with this one. I think that uh, as unwritten rules go, when and how to pass is one that everybody needs to know. They say here in the article, whether you're in a race or just out for a run in a busy park, it's pretty common to find yourself closing in on somebody who is running just a tad bit slower than you. Don't run two or three steps behind someone who you've just happened upon for more than a few seconds. If you're not going to pass them, take the decision and or if you're going to pass them, make the decision to do it. Would you go along with that?
0: It depends (laughs) if you're in a race, (laughs) if you're in a race, you might want to take a rest when you catch up to somebody Mm. and uh, you take the free ride, you know, especially if you're running into the into the wind. And then you save a little bit of energy and then you go past. Yeah. Um, But if you're out running around the park, yeah, it can be a little bit, what would you say, disconcerting when somebody comes up behind you and they kind of, you know, sit on your shoulder and uh, don't say anything. So I'd Hmm. say if you catch up to somebody and you're going to sit there for a while, you might kind of say something or you might come level with them and look over and see if you get any kind of a friendly reaction. Yeah, um, and may, maybe surprise yourself. It depends, you know, on the, the level of runner. Some people are happy for a conversation and, and others not so happy. <laughs> yeah. I think, did I tell did I tell the story the other week about the black cat? No. When, <laughs> when I was out for a run in, in Dublin, it was at the time of the Olympics and I was just coming back from Irish town actually and running up along the, the Dodder River and it's a lovely little trail there and uh, you come up to these lovely cottages and there was a couple of streets that come out and as there was a fella who was running I had passed him and then I stopped actually to take a picture of the bird and um, then when I caught back up to him again I looked there was a black cat coming out of this laneway and it was just as I caught up to this fella again and I looked over at him and we kind of laughed and I said is that good luck or not (laughs) 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 and we decided that the black cat he didn't cross our path
1: yeah, so, I I don't know whether it, it is or not. I Mike keeps trying to correct me on this that it's bad luck. And I was like, No, it has to be good luck, it's it's rare, right? It should be well good I think thing. you
0: can I think you can interpret it as you like. Like if it crosses you then you know, is it right to left or left to right? Um <laughs> if it doesn't cross you then maybe that's better. <laughs> but it, as long as it doesn't trip you up, I suppose it's OK. Cats always <laughs> really give me that
1: luck. look like I had an incident with a fox this this weekend on my long run, which we'll get into later on because I had my first nipple re- related injury. This is all fascinating with stuff for people, I'm <laughs> sure. But uh, a fox related incident where an injured fox crossed my path and looked at me like he was about to attack. Now, maybe I'm just that's just the way I am. But he just looked at me like uh, uh, he froze I froze, I could see he was injured and I didn't know w- w- which way to jump here. So I ended up nearly running into traffic to avoid <laughs> dealing with this guy. And I guess there is no unwritten rules for how to deal with foxes. But there is, there is uh, the question of what you're saying there about waving or notifying other runners of your presence, you had said in a previous episode, shouting on your left or on your right is is a thing to do in some countries. And, you know, that's open for debate. Like, I definitely had repetitive strain in my right finger from waving to cars on the roads of Mayo as I drove around and everyone raises the one finger off the steering wheel to wave to you. And here in London, I mean, the amount of people, Sonia, that I've said hello to on the run and nothing, like literally nothing. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't know, is there an unwritten rule on whether you say hello? My, ris- my, re- my rule is that if somebody is doing the same thing I'm doing, I'm saying hello to them. I find that very hard to take. Is there a rule on it or it- does it just depend place to place?
0: I think it's place of place, but I'm definitely a good morning person, so I get in trouble when I run in the afternoon because I forget that <laughs> it's not morning anymore. <laughs> the evening. Yeah. And then of course it's always a, a giggle to myself. Uh, you know, when I realize I'm saying good morning at five o'clock in the evening.
1: You're just, I'm just, just trying saying, oh, to disorientate you only just got out of it. bed.
0: But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, actually on the weekend I did a run in Paris around this big park and uh, I had company. There was a a fellow I was running with, Stephen Hass is his name. He's one of the the running managers, but he had a group of people out running. So Hmm. I kind of tagged along to get the most direct route to the park and not thinking I would be having company the whole run. But we had to cross a few roads and there was a few um, security guards because there was a bike race or something on. And I said, good morning to these French police or whatever, guards, whatever they were. And there was very little reaction And he laughed at one point and he said to me, I said, oh, they probably probably don't know what I'm saying. And he said, of course they do. They're just French. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, yeah, but if somebody said bonjour to me, I'd be like, oh, bonjour. And I'd be all excited.
1: Yeah, to use (laughs) your French, yeah.
0: To be able to use the one word I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it depends on the person, you know, maybe you take people by surprise when you say hello or good morning. Um, But I think if you're passing somebody from behind, it's probably a good idea to kind of alert them that you're there, because sometimes you can come up on people and surprise them. And there's a bit of a jump then Mm, (laughs) you have to do the backtracking and apologizing and, um, you know, kind of make them feel comfortable again that you've. Taking them by surprise.
1: Well, I'm glad you bring it up, Sonia, because we have had this discussion in the Strava group around safety and about how jumpy some people are and how, how threatened they feel going out and running. And I guess it's something that not a lot of dudes reflect upon, because for a lot of male runners, it's It's not even a consideration. You run where you want to run, when you want to run, or maybe it is. We'd love to get your take on this irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. How safe do you feel while out running? Have you had an incident relating to this? Now, uh, I've been gathering these stories and gathering these insights via the group, but if you're not a member of the group, you're not a Strava person, please do email irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Or get in touch with our live line. We have a WhatsApp where you can record, delete, re-record, whatever voice note you want to leave it would be great to hear from you. 044 7543 122 The number is in the info as well. There's much more to this episode as we go. Point for point, I've made a list of my unwritten rules and Sonia has made hers, and we're going to go back and forth over the next half an hour. Maybe this is the week that you come over and join us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Start enjoying the extra half of each episode. Our full archive going back eight years with people like Rob Heffern and Dervil O'Rourke and many more great Irish sports people. It's all there for the price of a coffee. Each month you'll get access to absolutely everything, including illustrated notes for each episode with Sonia. So Sonia, we'll say good luck to these people, the sound people that are they are on iTunes and SoundCloud and the ultrasound people will head over to Patreon now and uh, join us over there.
0: One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise.